Please be seated. Our children may be dismissed with our volunteers in the back to Children's Church. And for those of you who remain, whether here in person or on the live stream, I'll invite you to turn to the very end of the book of Philippians, where uh, we will be concluding our series in this book. Uh, We'll be ending with the theme that we started with, the theme of surpassing worth. As we conclude, we'll be looking at a good word of surpassing worth. Let's, let's turn our attentions here to God's word. Philippians chapter 4, verses 21 through 23. This is God's word. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Let's pray that God would teach us. Heavenly Father, help us to hear and understand and receive this good word of surpassing worth. That it might bless us and equip us to be blessings to others. For the sake of our Lord Jesus Christ, we ask it in His name. Amen. So, my family inherited a silver Subaru Outback, and it's fallen to me to have the hard hard job of driving that around. It's, it's actually quite a nice little car, but you know when you get a new car, even if it's just new to you, how when you start looking around, you see that car everywhere? Oh, there's a purple one of my car. There's a gray one of my car, a black one, a white one. What? Well, turns out there are countless silver Subaru Outbacks in this city. And, and the body style hasn't changed a whole lot over the years. And I have more than once come out of a grocery store or a restaurant or whatnot, and there are three in the same row. And I don't know which one's mine. And so and I don't want to be the guy that hits the panic button or keeps clicking the, the clicker. So I put a sticker on the back. TJ uh, has uh, made a few little uh, uh, unique stickers of our church logo. And I thought, nobody else is going to have that. And so I took one and I stuck it on the back. Now, when I walk out, I'm like, that one's mine. I don't have to do the panic alarm. The benediction, uh, the, literally the word means good word, just Latin for good word. The benediction is God's gracious blessing where he puts his name on his people to mark them out as his own. And and that means that the benediction isn't just the last thing that the pastor says at the end of the service to let you know it's okay to leave. The benediction isn't just Paul's way of ending a letter, sincerely, regards. the, The benediction has weight and substance. It means something. We heard uh, earlier in the service those passages from Numbers and from Revelation where the the scope and point of that benediction is, is laid bare. God commands the priests in Numbers that every time God's people gather, 
Those ministering in his name are responsible to put God's name on the people. Vicariously, it's God's work. But the ministers are to pronounce that benediction, that blessing of God on his people. And so it's, it's no surprise that Paul ends every letter with a benediction. And there's nothing remarkable about the benediction he uses to close Philippians. It follows a similar pattern that he uses in other letters. But what's remarkable is that he gives it at all. That he makes a point, even, even to the Galatians, to pronounce a blessing from God upon his people. Because it's in that benediction that God puts his name upon his people and marks them out as his own. So what does that mean for us? What, what should we do with that? How are we supposed to, to understand and, and live that out? I'm, I'm going to suggest to you that there are at least three things that we should learn from how Paul closes the book of Philippians with a benediction. We should learn that this benediction blessing from God enables and equips us to be blessings to others. We should learn that this benediction blessing from God enables and equips others to be blessings to us. And that the source of that blessing isn't us or others, but is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ himself. So the benediction shows us we can be a blessing to others. Others can be a blessing to us. But ultimately, that blessing comes from the Lord. So let's turn our attention uh, to that this morning. The first thing I'd like you to see is there in verse 21, that, that God's benediction blessing enables and equips us to bless others. You see it here where Paul says, Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. That, that greeting is something special. It's not just that courtesy nod to the passerby or when you feel like you, you sort of have to smile at the traffic cop putting tickets on cars. Hopefully they won't get to yours before you run back out. It's, it's not just that polite uh, tight when somebody sneezes. This, this greeting is much more like that, that the joyous outburst you see at a, a loving family reunion. Now, some of you have experienced this. Right? When COVID hit, there was, for many of us, a lack of opportunity to visit and fellowship with our, our closest friends and family. And then there, there came these moments when it seemed safe or wise or prudent or necessary to do so. And you would go and it would be happy and joyous. And yes, we all have problems and difficulties, but to be with one another was better than to be isolated and alone. And when we greeted one another in those times, it wasn't just with a, a mere nod, I hope, or a how to do, how are you, fine, how are you, fine. With joy and gladness, a greeting that overflowed from the heart, that overflowed from the blessing that God had provided to be restored to those you love. In a very similar way, 
This greeting that Paul is encouraging the Philippian Christians to share, that he passes on from those believers that are with him, is an overflowing joy. It is, in many respects, a little benediction, a little blessing, a little word of kindness and joy. Because it's directed. It's not just be nice to all the people. Be nice in as much as it's up to you, Scripture say, live at peace with all men. But this is something different. Greet all the saints in Christ Jesus. Saints there, the word just means holy ones, sanctified ones, set apart ones. Those who have been taken from this category and set apart into some other category. And they were set apart by God as His. And we're to reflect that. And the way we speak and greet to one another to offer little benedictions to those that God has given His divine benediction to. His saints, His people bear His name. And when we encounter one another, it's not to be with grumbling or consternation or complaining or bitterness or anger, or malice, but with forgiveness, and with grace, and with kindness, and with all the blessing that we have received from God, that we might then be a blessing to one another. And it's not because we are going to live up to, to some standard or expectation. This greeting isn't given by Paul. Greet the saints in Christ Jesus who greet you first, or who are nice to you, or who helped you out a little bit extra. It's greet all the saints in Christ Jesus. We offer that blessing not because of anything others have done for us. It's not because people have lived up to our expectations or, or have somehow benefited us and then we're returning the favor. Oh, well, they said hello. I should say hello back. No, it's greet all the saints in Christ Jesus overflow with that blessing to one another because of what Christ has done in and for you. How can we offer these little benedictions to one another? This isn't something that just happens by accident. It's not something that will just come naturally. How can we be a people who follow this admonition, who obey this and answer this call to greet all the saints in Christ Jesus? There are a lot of ways. One, we can consider this. What does it mean for us to really believe that God has put His name on His people? That that the defining mark and character of our fellowship isn't that we all look alike or that we're all in the same socioeconomic class or that we've had similar backgrounds or that we like the same kind of music or that we have similar jobs or that we all are awake at the same hour of Sunday mornings. or like The, 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 the defining characteristic is that God has set His mark on us. What would it look like for you to work that out? How you treat one another. 
What would that mean for the way you engage in conflict? How would that change the way that you respond to hardship and trouble? Oh, they had that coming. I told them, watch out for it. Or, or do we respond knowing that we too have endured great hardship and trouble? And when we were in need, even when it was our own fault, the Lord Jesus came and he set his love and affection and his name upon us. What would it look like then for us to live that out in how we respond to others? What would it look like in the way we speak to one another? Are we prone to offering our opinions and pontificating about a great many things? Well, I think it should be like this. And are we quick to offer criticism? How, how could it be that? Or why would you do this? Or is our very speech towards and with one another saturated with the truth and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ? Knowing that God wouldn't command His priests and His ministers to pronounce His blessing on His people if our words didn't have the power to shape our understanding of who God is and what He's done. That's a complicated way for me to say that. Let me say it a little more simply. The benediction is testimony to the fact that what we say to one another has real power to shape our faith and our understanding about who we are and who God is. How we speak to our children. How we speak to our spouses. How we speak to our neighbors. Our friends. Our family. It has power. And that old saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never harm me, is false. Words have power. Are the words that you speak to one another words of blessing? Are they words of truth? Are they words of love? Are they words that build up? Are they words that challenge and convict and point to Jesus? God's blessing on us calls and equips us to be a blessing to others. Greet one another. Greet all the saints in Christ Jesus. But, as we see in verse 22, God's benediction also enables and equips us to be blessed by others. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. What a, what a strange little thing to throw. Commentators and scholars have tried to figure out, like, why, why would Paul throw that in? He never mentioned stuff like this in his other letters, but here he does. And it's one of these, it's because of this that uh, we're pretty convinced he wrote this while imprisoned in Rome. But imagine if you were a Philippian Christian. Philippi was a Roman colony. There there were a high number of Roman citizens in that city. They were very loyal to Rome and very steeped in Roman culture. 
And the idea that, that Caesar was Lord and Caesar deserved devotion wasn't far into that city, but, but that you had now come to know Christ and you've acknowledged that Jesus Christ alone is Lord, it sets you at odds with that culture. It might cause you to be deeply uncomfortable with the sorts of people that God was calling into the church and into his kingdom. That's just real. You see that all throughout the New Testament. All the times where, where there are these words of admonition to the Jews and the Gentile believers to get along better was testimony to the fact that, that there is inherent in our fleshly selves a real discomfort for the sorts of people God would call to be a part of his church. To the point that Paul somewhere is even like, like why are you upset with the people outside the church? You were just like all of them. Now you're in the church. You've been washed and cleansed and made into something new because God's put his name on you. Why would you be surprised that God's plans and purposes to bless the whole world would include bringing people of every tribe, language, nation, and tongue into his glorious household? Imagine the comfort and discomfort to hear that those in Caesar's own household, the household of the one who would stomp out anybody else that would say anybody other than Caesar is Lord, that in his own household, there are those that God has called out to be his own and put his, his name on them. What, a, what a, a, a shock and a revelation to hear. But also an encouragement to know that God is up to something amazing and not even his enemies can withstand his grace. They can be brought in and adopted and made a part of God's family. And they can become a blessing to us. There is in the evangelical church today a great fear of the other. What if those people were to start coming to our church? Fill in the blank who those people are for you. It doesn't matter. What if? How great would that be? What if we were to see God carrying out his plans and purposes to bring people from all walks of life, from every tribe, language, nation, and people into his household and into his kingdom, and that he invited some of them to join us here, that we might learn from them afresh and anew the glories of God's grace, that they might be a blessing to us. Would we shut ourselves off from that? Would we really insist on hunkering down and, and hiding and being just in our own little bubble so that we never had to touch or experience or interact with anybody so different from us and so hide from God's own good word of blessing? God reminds the Christians in Philippi that he is about saving many, many people for his own. And it doesn't matter if they were once his enemies. It doesn't matter if they even persecuted Christians like Paul did. He's about an incredible work of transforming grace. 
And he's bringing those people into the fellowship of his church so that we will be blessed, so that we will have eyes to see that our worldly cultures and traditions aren't what really unite us, aren't even the most glorious thing about the church, but it is God's saving work. It is God's transformative power and grace that is so astounding and amazing and uniting. And that ought to humble us to recognize that we don't get to decide who receives that blessing. Christ decides. He's the one who calls. He's the one who saves. He uses it to bless his people. How can we learn more and more to receive these blessings, these little benedictions, from other believers who aren't like us. Can we do that? I was listening to a conversation about Adam Grant's book, Think Again, The Power of Knowing What You Don't Know. I haven't read the book, but I'll listen to the conversation. And in it, he has this hierarchy of thinking styles, which I like. And so the baseline is, I think it describes like how we tend to think about different things. The, the baseline is the cult leader who says, I am always right. right? Like, the, like what the cult leader says is right and true. It doesn't matter if he's a religious cult leader or a political tyrant or like whatever he said. I don't lose. I'm not wrong. I'm always right. Then there's the politician who sort of shifts the, the perspective a little bit and says that they are always wrong, but we are always right. Or the contrarian is sort of next high up that, that goes one step further and just says, all of you are wrong. I, uh, that, that's a little scary how close that hits to home with me a little bit. But then there's that level of critical thinker that says that issue that we're talking about, it's not about us or them or me or you. Like that might be wrong. Let's think about it. It'd be sufficient, I think, if we had a lot more critical thinkers in our world. But there's one more level to this hierarchy of thinking styles, and that's the learner who says, I might be wrong. What would it look like if God's people had the learner posture? I mean, we we are our disciples, we are learners. Because that's what God's called us to be. What would it look like for us more and more to read and interact and listen to those outside our tribe or outside our comfort zone? Christians from all walks of life and all backgrounds and to just hear and listen and acknowledge that there are differences and even disagreements, but to say, well, what would God though show me in them, through them? What would it look like for us to pray with and four other churches just on the peninsula to connect with them as a part of God's kingdom, not ours, to do the work of ministry in this place, to serve the poor together, to proclaim the gospel together, to not be in competition with one another, but to be blessings to one another. What would it look like for us to practice hospitality? And just 
fellowship with those who are different. Those believers who proclaim the name of Christ. I did college ministry for 10 years and I was a part of the Campus Ministers Association, which had several different types of ministries. Liberal, conservative, evangelical, mainline. There were all sorts of different things. And my access to the campus sort of hinged on my being a part of this group. And I found that that group was a real blessing. There were people there that I strongly disagreed with theologically. And the more we talked, the more convinced of my views I became. And yet also at the same time, the more ecumenical I became, the more I was able to appreciate what God was doing in and through them. And we had some hard times. We had, we had a, what I think was very much a cult leader, try to join that group. And it was so stressful. And, and yet, there was real unity for those who professed the name of Christ, even though we disagreed about baptism or women in ministry or just a whole Reformed theology. Yet, they would say the Nicene Creed together with me and believe it. And there was something glorious in that, that they were able to be a blessing to me because of what God was doing in them. What would it look like for us to be able to receive these little blessings from other believers in the broader church? We need to wrestle with this because what we have to realize is the source of all of the benediction blessing is the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not us and our theology that is the blessing. It's the truth of Jesus. It's who he is. It's what he's doing. He is the source of the blessing. But if we're honest with one another, the way we interact with the world, very often we are not a blessing to others and we do not receive blessing from others. We are disappointed and disappointing one, one another. We have parents who are disappointed in their children, who are disappointments to their children. Parishioners and pastors who are disappointments to one another. Peers, neighbors, co-workers, friends. We fail. We let one another down. We are not always a blessing to one another. And so in the benediction, Paul calls attention not to us, but to the Lord. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. He is Lord. And where we may fail, where we are weak, He is King forever. He rules and he reigns and all of his perfect and good purposes will be accomplished. He has set his name on his people in the announcement of the benediction and in the new heavens and the new earth, we will find that that name is indeed upon every single one of his people and not one will be lost. And so we can trust that even in our disappointment, his blessing is greater because he is Lord. And he is Christ, the anointed one. That's what that word means. The Messiah. 
who is able to save his people to the uttermost, who has borne their sin and their failure in himself and risen again from the dead so that the greatest and most ultimate disappointment of death and judgment is no longer ours to bear. That even in our failure, we find God's blessing is greater. His grace is stronger. And he is able, it says, to be with our spirit. That he, though he is enthroned on high, seated at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty, in the power of the Holy Spirit, he is able to draw near to us, to comfort us, to heal us, to guide us, to bless us that we might more and more be that blessing to others. And that blessing comes solely and completely through grace. It is not earned. It is not achieved. It is not purchased. The reason that we can be a blessing to others is because It's Christ in us. The reason others can be a blessing to us is because it is Christ in them. And it's not because they've measured up to our expectations or we theirs, but it is because Christ, the source of all blessing, the Lord of glory, the one who has saved his people and put his name upon them, overflows with grace to all who seek him. So Paul gives that benediction to the Philippian church. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Can you receive that good word? Can you receive that blessing? That the only reason you can be a blessing to others, it has very little to do with you. It's not because you're smart or beautiful or, or active or rich. It is because Christ has set his name on you and he lives in and through you. Can you receive that good news? Can you receive that benediction, that good word that that so announces grace that there is connected to it a call for all of us to be blessings to one another. Can you receive blessings from others, not because you deserve it, because it's Christ in them? The benediction is not a prayer. It's appropriate to bow your head as if God was laying hands on you to receive the benediction, but it's not a prayer. You'll see some, in some traditions, folks will hold their hands out to receive that benediction in their very posture to to recognize that this is God blessing his people. Good word. Putting his name on them, afresh and anew, no matter what has taken place in the prior week. There is some indication in the Numbers benediction where God is turning his face towards the people of Israel that there is an implicit uh, invitation for us to turn our face upward with joy to whoever it is ministering in his name who's pronouncing God's blessing to receive God's name on us 
is a gracious blessing to be reminded that He is glorious. He is great. He is Savior. And He's put His name on you. What would it look like for you to go out into this world as ambassadors of the benediction, blessing of Christ? Pray with me. Heavenly Father, help us even as we prepare to come to your table to receive your blessing. Lord, not selfishly, not to possess it, not arrogantly as if we deserve it, Lord, but to receive it in humility as the gracious gift it is we might then be a blessing to others. This is your work, and so we call upon you to be about it. That all the saints in Christ Jesus might rejoice together. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.